And what's up, guys? Welcome to a special Friday edition of Quarantine Chats. We got a couple of surprises in here today. Number one, Isaiah Leung with the LaMelo Ball Warriors jersey. Is that maybe some foreshadowing? Isaiah, is that tape I see to create the LaMelo Ball jersey? Come on over here and explain yourself. It's not tape. It's a customized LaMelo ball jersey that I had made like two, three months ago because I knew this was coming. I want to quote the great Martin Luther King Jr. I had a dream, ladies and gentlemen. I had a dream two months ago that LaMelo ball would become a Golden State Warrior and would with LaMelo ball, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, at Draymond Green, they would wreak havoc on the league, and it looks like it's going to finally happen. It looks like my dream is going to come true. LaMelo Ball, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a Golden State Warrior. The league better watch out. The Warriors are taking the league for the next 10 years. Okay. Wow. Well, that's a lot to unpack over there, Isaiah. All I can say is don't get burned, man, when LaMelo Ball may or may not get drafted by the Warriors. Don't get burned over there. We also got Furman joining us over there with the single rim hoop. We don't see a lot of those around here in NorCal. What's up, man? What's up, Steven? I'm glad to be back here. I'm ready to talk about the show. Um, Isaiah, I know you got LaMelo here, but uh, you sure he's going to be hyped up just as much as Lonzo? Uh, he's way better than Lonzo. So I think the Warriors, if they get him, they're going to be getting a really great basketball player. Yeah. You know, a couple announcements for the network. We recently passed 250 anchor views. So thank you guys, Callan and Jonathan. Greatly appreciated. Isaiah, you've been doing great work for us as well. And of course, Ryan, my co-star on fan response, Trevor and Freddie Henderson. But now we got a resident Celtics advisor over here for the MI6 Sports Network, Shree, joining us. Shree, your Celtics go up 3-0 against Joel Embiid and the Sixers. How are you feeling on this Friday evening? I'm feeling good. I'm proving all the haters, haters <coughs> Isaiah, wrong. Um, I, it, like today's game, it was ugly. It was, you know, uh, it was a barn burner, but and they ended up coming up on top. So just just finished watching it before I hopped on with you guys and. And it's always puts me in a better mood to see my team win, right? So happy to do the show now. And, of course, guys, we already have our first comment on the show, guys. Be sure to leave your thoughts and comments. Hasio Cueva saying, Isaiah out here with a crystal ball. Ball, I see this. Let's go, Warriors. He got the jersey already. Yes. Ooh, man. couple of... Fans, yep. thank you, Frank, Frankie Daniel Mills and Hasio Cuevas for offering your insight. All I got to say is don't be disappointed when they go with someone they actually need because they already got two bad, bad guards in that league on that team, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So just don't be surprised out there. With that being said, guys, we're going to be diving into our first topic here, the NBA draft lottery happening last night. The Warriors land the number two pick. And the Wolves, my Minnesota Timberwolves, land the number one pick, which means, guys, it's time for the Minnesota Timberwolves to spoil another lottery pick's career. Oh, man, I can't wait for this. All the uh, pundits are having us taking Anthony Edwards. And, you know, 
I got the draft order pulled up here. Minnesota picks number one, Golden State number two, Charlotte number three, Chicago four, Cleveland five, Atlanta six, Detroit seven, New York eight, Washington nine, 10 Phoenix, 11 San Antonio, 12 Sacramento, 13 New Orleans, 14 Boston. Woo! I finally catch my breath over there. Shree, your Boston Celtics get Memphis's pick. Two wins for you on back-to-back nights, man. Your Celtics are looking good. Yeah, another top 15 pick for the Celtics. Um, always good. You know, we saw how their uh, recent picks have turned out. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the draft as well. And, of course, the LaMelo Ball drama never stops. Isaiah has the thumbnail photo of LaMelo Ball on the Warriors with that Warriors jersey, man. All I can say is good luck, LeVar, handling um, the Golden State Warriors because that kind of attitude does not fly around Golden State, I'll tell you that. You know, one thing I got to say, though, is that Isaiah is kind of like the LeVar Ball of this show. So it's pretty ironic that he's trying to speak something that he really wants to happen into existence. With that being said, guys, of course, we're going to turn to our Warriors fan over here, Furman. Your Warriors land the number two pick, which means, of course, you don't get to spoil the number one pick's career like the Wolves can. Who do you think they should go with in the second selection? Um, well, first off, I'm a Lakers fan, but I still rep the Bay Area because this is this is where I'm from. Um, but for the second pick, I think the Warriors... They have a lot of options, and like I said, Isaiah, like Isaiah said, Lamelo is a really good uh, option right here because you could play off the bench. And given the Warriors' environment, um, Lamelo could really develop over the years under the system. And under under the Warriors, it's not going to be as much pressure for Lamelo uh, compared to other places like Los Angeles Lakers with Lonzo, and possibly you know the New York Knicks, R.I.P. Knicks. Um, so if, if LaMelo goes to the Warriors, I think it's an asset for both him and the team in long term since although although there's already a field position, Stephen Clay for LaMelo, um, LaMelo can still come off the bench and over the years, who knows what will happen. He could be, become a great player. And given given what the Warriors could do with their, their current team right now, it, it's, that's definitely possible for LaMelo. Now, I also... But I agree with the other argument, which is well, a lot of people say best position available in the draft. And I think the Warriors really need to capitalize on this one. The Warriors have always had a loophole in their offense, and that's the center. They need a good player to fill in that slot at the center. And I think James Wiseman is a perfect fit for that. Others might, others might argue against this, but in my opinion, I don't think this draft this year's draft class is as strong as other years, such as 2019 with Zon Williamson. So not there isn't really any clear players that stand out to me. So I think to play it safe, the Warriors should get the best position available since they already have a solid core right now. And James Wiseman is that player to go. Yeah, definitely. James Wiseman's a wise pick over there. Furman pun intended. And the Wolves are projected to get Anthony Edwards. So I do want to put that out there before any of you guys give your insights. I think we know where Isaiah is going with this. Yes, sir. LaMelo Ball. Golden State. Bob Myers. Steve and Kerr, wagon. And 
the rest of the Golden State Warriors organization, first of all, they better draft LaMelo Ball because if they don't, I would have wasted $150 on this jersey that I got. But secondly, um, the re the Furman said it best. The Warriors are in one of the best positions in NBA history. They are in a fantastic position. The Warriors are loaded with Stephen Curry coming back, Clay Thompson coming back, Draymond Green coming back. They have a lot of rest that they've uh, that they've gotten, which is really really needed for them because they've. You know, they've had a lot of mileage on their legs the last two, three, four years from all the NBA Finals runs. So they are well-rested, ready to go, well-recovered from their injuries. And now you have a chance to add a dynamic young player like either a LaMelo Ball or a James Wiseman or an Anthony Edwards to your basketball team that is going to prolong your dynasty from instead of the dynasty ending in the next two, three years, the dynasty will go on for the next 10 years. When Stephen Clay get out of their prime, you can hand the baton off to a LaMelo ball or a James Wiseman or a Anthony Edwards to build your franchise around. So that's a really, it's a win-win position from the, for the Warriors in that standpoint. And also let's not forget this, the Warriors, they can trade the number two pick. They can package the number two. They can package an Andrew Wiggins. They can package Draymond Green and go get someone like Joel Embiid who's really unhappy with the Philadelphia 76ers right now and might want out. Imagine if the Warriors got Embiid to go with Curry, Thompson, and uh, Draymond Green. Damn, dude, they're going to be unbeaten. That's how potent the Golden State Warriors will be. So the Warriors are in an enviable position uh, they, whatever they choose, I don't b believe they will lose because you either get younger and prolong your dynasty or you trade that pick and you get a superstar, which will make you even more potent. So the rest of the league, as I said in the beginning, the rest of the league has got to be scared big time because the Golden State Warriors are coming back. Wow, that's a scorching hot take about the Warriors. I know they've been champs before, but he's up there over there, Asian Lavar. All right, so well, well, got a couple Steven, of comments from the fans. Yeah. The only reason why I'm rooting for the Warriors to get LaMelo Ball because we all know that you hate the Warriors big time. And if LaMelo Ball goes to the Warriors and the or the Warriors get a Joel Embiid and they start winning big, you're going to be raging like crazy over there, my friend. If they get Joel Embiid, I will concede that point to you. But LaMelo Ball is not that guy that's going to take a guard-heavy franchise into a super team. I mean, the Warriors, they're not built in the position where they can win like they did before, like in 2015 and 2016 with just Curry and Clay starring. Curry, Clay, and Draymond, they're all getting older. Curry's not even the best point guard in the league anymore, guys. It's Damian Lillard. It's Dame time right now. I know what happened in that L.A. game. But it's a team game. You put Damian Lillard with KD, Clay, and Draymond. Come on, guys. He wins a title. All right. So we got a couple of comments from, you know, our viewers. Hasiel Cueva saying, top 15 ain't enough. Top 10 is when you get that fat dub. Tree, you know, I think he's referring to your Celtics who get that 14th pick. What are your responses to him? Hey, I mean, it's it's not like we're depending on our draft picks to come in and, and play big time. You know, it's it's not – we're not a lottery team. Um and you can see that, you know, by the performance that they've had in the past four or five years and adding another young player to an already stacked 
roster full of young talent um, can do us nothing but good. So even if we do miss on the 15th pick or even if they do end up being a role player, it's not like the Celtics are, are depending on that player to come in and contribute and, and change their franchise. Um, they, they still have their, their core players. And, and uh, just having that 15th pick rather than, you know, when they'd be picking, um, you know, probably in the late 20s, I just think that, you know, it's, it's definitely a better chance that you get a top prospect at, at, that, um, at the 14. And, of course, Frankie Daniel Mills agrees with Isaiah. That's our pig ball. He's a Bay Area fan. So I uh, want to welcome you onto the show and hope you enjoy, Frankie. And, of course, Freddie Henderson, one of my co-hosts on Fan Response, he really brings the heat. I call him the Shannon Sharp of our show and our network. Ooh, Stephen, no, sir. Dame, not the best. I know you got Wardell, Stephen Curry, man, but first of all, we got to wait for him to come back, right? And I'll say this, Shree. Even if Curry comes back 100%, he'll still only be 50-50 with Damian Lillard with the way that bad man is playing. Damian's the best, no doubt. And, and you know, I, I feel like I'm going to anger some of the uh, Bay Area natives by, by giving my take on this. But, you know, I got to say what I got to say. Um, honestly, I think Isaiah is a bit delusional. Like, this isn't 2016 anymore. You know, they don't have KD. Uh, the only reason, in my opinion, they won the 2016 title uh, was because of significant injuries on the, ca- on the Cavs. And, and then, or 2015, I'm sorry, 2015 title with significant injuries on the Cavs. And then we saw that they could only win um, with KD. And, and this is some a discussion that I think you and I have had in the past where, you know, in my opinion, their titles that they won with KD aren't even legitimate. Like if you have, you know, two of the top three players in the league any given year, your team is going to win. And and props to their front office and props to Steve Kerr for getting those players. But it's not as if, you know, we've seen Steph and Clay and Draymond be able to do it by themselves consistently. So um, definitely think that the pick will help them. Um, but I, I just don't see what Isaiah is saying, that they're going to be a dynasty for the next 10 years. Steph is getting older. Clay is getting older. They're coming off injuries. Um, you know, Draymond, we saw this year, Draymond's not really an all-star, you know. He, he's just an all-star in name and, and not, not you know, his play style is nowhere near um, what it takes to be a Western Conference all-star. And we saw that this year. If they were really a successful team, why weren't they able to win more games? Why do they have the second pick this year? Um, so I, I honestly think that Isaiah is way too high on, on Golden State. And secondly, with the LaMelo ball to Golden State, stop. Like, just stop. It, it doesn't make any sense on any level, right? My opinion personally on LaMelo Ball is, you know, he's a great prospect. He can play, but he was playing in Australia, you know, on a team that I've never even heard of the team before he went and joined there. I've never even heard of the city he played in. Um, And he's playing against, let's be honest, he's playing against very mediocre talent um, where, you know, you see these guys, James Wiseman, and you see uh, Anthony Edwards, and you see Obi Toppin, who's my favorite player in the draft. coming out of Dayton and you see these guys ball out against these, you know, top NC NCAA teams. And I just think that, you know, while LaMelo may have, you know, the flashiness and the, and the shooting ability, I just feel that he's going to have a rude awakening when he comes into the NBA and plays against the big boys. So if I were the Warriors, I would stay 
like well away from um, LaMelo Ball. If you're the Lakers, you don't need LaMelo Ball to come in and energize your franchise fans, right? You don't need um, the you don't need basically the uh, the entire media attention that comes around the balls. You already have a solid cast of players. Balls. Exactly. Like if if you're you know if you're out here in your Cleveland and you're bringing Lamelo Ball, then yeah, you know you get some attention to the Cavaliers and and you know you may bring some fans. But if you're Golden State, you don't need that. You have Steph, you have Clay. They're two very solid guards. I would honestly go with James Wiseman or you know my favorite uh, pick for them would be Obi Toppin. You know a stretch four. Um, he played two years at Dayton. He had Dayton, I think, before the season ended. He had them at number four this year. Um, he he has the shooting ability. He has the size. He has, you know, he can be a great fit on their team and play in that kind of KD-esque role. Um, and I think that that would definitely be a much better pick for the Warriors than LaMelo Ball. I, I'm not buying the LaMelo Ball hype. And, um, you know, I think that he has a potential to be good. Um, at some point in the NBA, uh, just given his skill set and given his abilities, but I just don't see it being immediately. I, I feel like he's going to get a rude awakening when he when he comes into the NBA. Because let's not forget his brother Lonzo. He played at UCLA. You know, he was playing against the top dogs. But you know, Lamelo, he he chose to take a different route. And and you know, Australia's we've seen players succeed from Europe, but Australia is nowhere close to Europe. So I, again, I just don't see him. Um, you know, panning out at least initially, and I just don't see the fit with the Golden State Warriors either. Yeah, I mean, Australian leagues have generated some solid starters and players like, you know, Patty Mills, Andrew Bogut, Dante Axum, and Matthew Delvadova, but none of these guys are franchise cornerstones, and you're not exactly, you know, flying to Australia to look for the next franchise talent, especially when you're guard-heavy in the Warriors. I feel like I'm a broken record saying the same thing over and over. Shri, I wish there was a winning horn because I would give it to you right now. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, the Warriors don't need another guard to save this franchise. And quite honestly, man, like you said, every single year that they had KD, everyone knew that the finals was going to be the Warriors versus the Cavs and the Cavs were going to lose. It's like not all that impressive. But I will you know, give the Warriors a pass in this sense, man. Um Colin Cowherd, he's always saying you take the best year of someone and you take the worst year. You take them both out, and that's who that person is. And I think that may hold true for this Warriors team. So let's wait to give them a bit more credit. And then responding to Haciel's point about a top 15 pick, man, hey, don't underestimate those lower lottery picks or even afterwards. There's been some great value that have come up from later draft positions like Kobe Bryant, Manu Ginobili, Jason Terry, Isaiah Thomas, and you got to remember the Celtics are loaded here. They really don't need a top five pick or even a top 20 pick at that. The fact they got a number 14 is just a luxury for them. But, you know, moving on, guys, I think everyone expects Anthony Edwards to go to the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? But if you're drafting for the Timberwolves, and I'm going to leave this as a live comment and poll for everyone to vote on, who do you think should be the number one pick? Who's the best player coming out of the draft? I'm I'm gonna go with a surprise. Um, I know a lot of people are saying Anthony Edwards simply because uh, D'Angelo Russell he needs the ball. Anthony Edwards doesn't really need the ball in his hand, um, but and he also plays really good defense. 
and he's really explosive as well. But the I'm going to go with James Wiseman. I think the Timberwolves should do what the wow. New Orleans Pelicans did with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and pair two twin tower big men together. And that's how I think they should build their club. Because right now you have D'Angelo Russell. Um, you They need a shooting guard. But I think that if you have like the two big men, like you have Cat who can provide the offense and James Wiseman can be a guy that can provide the defense because we all know that Carl Anthony Towns isn't really that good of a defender. That's probably an understatement in of itself. So if I'm the Timberwolves, I go with the Shocker and I pick uh, James Wiseman uh, at number one. And another reason why I would also pick James Wiseman is because Carl Anthony Towns I think he's only got, what, three years left on his contract, and reports are that he's unhappy right now in Minnesota. And there's a lot of chaos going on in Minnesota because the owner wants to sell the team, and there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. So if Carl Anthony Towns does, in fact, leave, you will just ha you will have James Wiseman right there ready to go. So it could be a replacement for Towns in the future, and it also could be a uh, good defender for the Minnesota Timberwolves in their uh, front court. You know, um, I wanted the Timberwolves to actually go with LaMelo Ball. I think, you know, no matter who goes to the Timberwolves, they're really not going to be able to, like, uplift this team to any long-term winning. Best case scenario, you get a guy like Nikola Jokic who can be a star on a mediocre franchise and uplift them to the playoffs, but not really, like, contend for a championship. Minnesota is a mid-tier to a small market. You're No matter who you put there, I mean – for Christ's sake, they put Kevin Garnett in Minnesota, and it didn't pan out into any long-term winning. The best result they had was a Western Conference Finals appearance. You're in the West. You're in the cold place that is Minnesota. I'm sorry, guys. I know I grew up there, but it's just not attractive for multimillionaire Hollywood-type stars, all right? These, these NBA players, that's how they're treated. They want to go somewhere warmer. They want to go somewhere with more action. Even a place like Atlanta would be far, far better than Minnesota. So... Whatever they pick, I'd rather they just draft the home run hitter, the LaMelo ball. But the reality is Anthony Edwards is probably heading to Minnesota because he is the physically most gifted guy out of the draft. He can score from anywhere. Shot selection and defense are two things that need work. Shree and Furman, that must sound familiar to you guys with Andrew Wiggins. Those are the same problems that he had. And I already have my way too early prediction. Anthony Edwards... He's going to be a glorified Andrew Wiggins at best. He's probably going to be another Andrew Wiggins. That's what I think. And then as far as the Warriors, what was the biggest thing that impaired them during their championship runs? Like what really stopped them from going like 16-0 and and just dominating every team? It was a dedicated big man. Yeah, they had a guy like JaVale McGee. By the way, shout out to him. He played excellent against Portland last night. And they had... You know, guys like Zaza, Pachulia, and Bogut who are very gritty, but they never had a dedicated big man who could score the rock, who could develop a shot. And James Wiseman, you have the potential for that. So I think the reason why you're going to go with James Wiseman if you're the Warriors is because, you know, Curry and Clay, they're shooters. Their games will continue to progress as they get older and at least retain themselves. LaMelo Ball is not going to be able to play off the ball and share the glory with them. And I think he's just going to drag this team down and they're going to be forced to trade him eventually. So I think James Wiseman's the no-brainer for the Warriors. Would it shock me if they went with Ball? Not really. I mean, they've already won championships. So 
right now where they are, they, they, they can afford to make some mistakes and take some risks. But now I want to go to Tree on who you believe should be the number one pick. Um, I think it's going to be Anthony Edwards. I agree with you. Um, he seems to be a good fit in terms of position. But I, I don't like his efficiency. Um, he was a very high-scoring freshman at Georgia, but you know Georgia is not very, not a very good basketball team um, at the college level, and he was taking a lot of shots. You know, he was he was shooting, like you said, he was shooting a lot, and and his defense needs work. Um, so I'm gonna go back to the guy I said, uh, the one of the guys I said that the Warriors should take. I think they should look at Obi Toppin from Dayton, right? Um, the dude was exceptional. He shot 63% last year. He's 6'9 with 7'2 wingspan. He has he has like a lot of length and a lot of size. Um, he shot 39% from three. He kind of reminds me of, you know, a KD type player. Um, maybe a more accurate comparison would be someone like Tobias Harris. But I definitely mm. think that with Cat and with um, with – D'Angelo Russell, they can kind of use one of those stretch fours to play in the uh, play down low, and and who can also uh, you know shoot from the perimeter and kind of open up the court for them, you know, in terms of being able to facilitate ball movement and in terms in terms of being able to um, you know run their offense with with D'Angelo Russell having the ball in his hand. So I feel like he would be a very good fit for them, and I I agree with you in terms of no one player being right, being able to turn Minnesota around. You know, we've seen them, we've we've seen several players come through there and none of them have been really able to have success. We saw Kevin Love there. You know, we saw KG, like you said. We saw Cat, yeah. um, you know, when, when they got D'Angelo Russell, people were saying, you know, they, they, may, they may be very successful with D'Angelo Russell and Cat. I thought they would be. But but yet we see no matter who they get they seem to they seem to have no success. Jimmy Butler is another one. You see how you see the success he's having in Miami, and you look at him in Minnesota, and you go, "What the hell happened there?" Right? And so I agree with you that no one player is going to turn them around. But I feel as though um, you know Obi Toppin could come in and make an immediate contribution and at least get them to a middle tier team. And maybe maybe in a few years um, get them to fighting for that seven or eight seed, but you know even even the best player in this year's draft, I don't see him um, turning Minnesota into a championship contender. That's for sure. I mean, it just comes down to this tree. Who wants to play in Minnesota? Even out of the cold cities in the America, right? Boston, New York, Brooklyn, all of those places are more desired than Minnesota. And if Seattle gets their own basketball team, watch out, guys. I really, that's exactly why I hope Minnesota can become the Seattle Supersonics or the Seattle Timberwolves, whatever they want to call it. Please move to Seattle because I stayed in Minnesota, guys, for 15 years. And I'll tell you, if I had $10 million a year, if I had $80 million a year, $30 million a year, whatever amount of money that's big, I would not want to park my butt in Minnesota. Mm -mm. Even. The thing I'll bring up is that they have had their share of good players come in. Like it's not as if Minnesota has had no talent. I, I agree. They, they always want to leave. Stefan yeah. Marbury wanted to leave. They may not be able to retain that talent, but even with that talent, you don't see them playing well, right? Like Jimmy Butler, okay, yeah, yeah, he absolutely. wanted to leave and he wanted to go to Miami. He did go to Miami, but even when he was on their team, 
you saw that they couldn't utilize him in the same way that Spolstra is utilizing him in Miami. So I feel as though even when they had those players, they've had a lot of good players come through. I feel like even when they've had those players, they're just kind of a dysfunctional franchise in that they're not able to utilize the strengths and talents of their players in order to compete um, at a high level. And I think there's two points to that. Um, I'll I'll address a couple. So um, the past three stars that really stick out as, man, these teams did not work out as we thought. Uh, Number one, the Stefan Marbury and KG pairing all the way back in the 90s and the early 2000s. Why did that one not work out? Because Stefan Marbury didn't want to be in that cold city. He wanted to be in New York. He was born and raised a New Yorker, man. He's gritty. He's, he's got an attitude. He's always thought of himself as the best point guard in the game. And so he went there, right? And then we look at Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves. In that case, I just think that that was a case where Jimmy Butler's heart was not set on Minnesota. He wanted a true contender. And at that time, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins were not developed enough. Like, they just weren't mature. They were, you know, playing a lot of video games. It just seems like their heart wasn't fully locked in into the game. You know, they weren't thinking like CEOs of the team. They were thinking like regular employees trying to coast by kind of thing. And then um, looking at D'Angelo Russell, to be fair with the guy, he was kind of thrown into a situation in Golden State after all that success he had in Brooklyn. Um, People were saying, you know, look at this guy. This guy might be better than Kyrie Irving. We know Brooklyn let go of him to get Kyrie Irving, but look at what – See what kind of season D'Angelo Russell had with the Nets, carrying them to the seventh seed, playing a challenge in the first round, and then Kyrie Irving just being dead weight on Boston, being worse with the team than without the team. You know, the team was better without him. Then he gets thrown into a situation in Golden State where they just won the Western Conference, and they had just gone to, what, five straight finals. And they're like, here you go, D'Lo. Now you're supposed to carry our franchise because, by the way, KD left. Oh, and by the way, Curry's out. And by the way, Draymond's coming on and off the court. Oh, and Clay Thompson, you know that guy? Yeah, you watched the finals last year, right? He's gone too. So he was thrown into a situation where it's like, here, go carry the franchise of the Golden State Warriors. Go carry that big market. And then when that didn't work out, which of course is going to fail, they ship him off to Minnesota and it's like, yeah, you know this franchise here? That's like sub 500 habitually. As much as Isaiah is wrong on his takes, yeah, why don't you go carry them to the playoffs? There's so much turmoil into the situations that he was thrown into ever since he was drafted. The Nets were the one situation where he succeeded that I don't know if we can really fault the franchises or Elo for it. It was kind of just a thing that was bound to happen. You throw Steven. a young guy into those situations. Steven, I got two things to respond to you. Number one, I think you're being too hard on the state of Minnesota, you said, like, who wants to live in Minnesota? You know the one person that did want to go to Minnesota? Kirk Cousins. He chose to leave the Washington Redskins Top 10 quarterback, Minnesota Vikings. Secondly, secondly, I think what you want, Stephen, in your heart, you want the Minnesota Timberwolves to bypass drafting any of these guys and trade that number one pick and a bunch of other players to the Phoenix Suns for Devin Booker. I know that's what you want, but let me tell you, buddy, Devin Booker's not going to go to Minnesota. I don't care if he's friends with Carl Anthony Towns or um, D'Angelo Russo. It's not going to happen because, first of all, Phoenix is looking really good, and 
Another thing is Devin Booker wants to be in L.A., my friend. He is a Laker diehard fan. He grew up a Laker diehard, and he, his idol was Kobe Bryant. He has a girlfriend in Los Angeles. This dude has L.A. painted all over him. So I'm sorry, man. you got to make that pick, and Booker's not coming to L uh, Minnesota. Isaiah's okay, got to bring up a way to to bring up uh, Devin Booker in literally every single conversation you every have. Every single one. Every but, single one. This is my reaction nowadays. Oh, but Steven, man. to your point, man, to your point, I agree with you that, you know, I, I just want to make one last point on this because I, I know we've been going on for this for a while. But you're talking about you were talking about the young players and saying they're not acting as CEOs. You know, they don't have their head in the game. But, you know, I think that comes down to coaching. You saw, you know, what Brad Stevens was able to do with the young team. You're seeing right now what Eric Spolstra is able to do with Kendrick Nunn and all those players in Miami where he's able to, you know, get them hyped up and get them to contend in the playoffs. So I don't think it's fair to say, okay, you know, Cat was playing video games, so, you know, they don't really care. Wiggins is playing video games, so he doesn't really care. It's up to the coaching and it's up to the culture of the franchise to establish that, you know, you got to be serious from the moment you come into the league. And I feel like that is part of the dysfunction that, that I was talking about of Minnesota, where they're not able to, to do that and not able to establish a winning culture and practices that, you know, allow these players to actually feel invested in winning and, and have an interest in actually um, playing deep into the playoffs rather than to just get their paycheck and, and, you know, um, bounce. So just just my thoughts right and i think that's a very fair point by you shri and you're right you know when you have a tiger dad mentality running throughout the organization tom thibodeau is just going in there overworking the players coach at that time and then you have jimmy butler posting on instagram a good leader guides people who are lost and these people look hella lost <laughs> you know when you have people putting up toxic mentalities like that and you have this any means necessary just mentality in a player empowerment heavy era of basketball and sports it just isn't going to fly with the players but now i want to move on to firm and firm are you with us there anthony yeah, edwards here. projected to be the number one pick but who would you have as your number one pick to the minnesota timberwolves uh yeah like this is a really tough topic um i think steven explained it pretty well uh, there's like really, there's like really no player in my opinion that could really uh, stand out in Minnesota, and I think what Shri mentioned about the culture um, at, in, in Minnesota being kind of detrimental to the players as well as uh, coaching staff not motivating the players enough to play to win rather than a paycheck could be a factor. Like Minnesota has a has really good potential with all their players right now, but. We've seen how a lot of these good players uh, went down with the Timberwolves and how they, they lack success, like Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, um, Andrew Wiggins, and Jimmy Butler. So, and you're right, like it's hard to pinpoint Cat for this, but Cat's been a really good shooter on offense. He has a lot of potential to continue developing for this team, but who, who's who's really going to be there to surround him with? You know, with with all the potential that Minnesota has, 
who's going to be the supporting cast. And you've seen Wiggins uh, fail to do that. You've seen, you've also seen uh, Jimmy Butler. He didn't really have the passion to to really play for Minnesota either. So with all these players, I'm looking for a player that could play alongside Cat and not necessarily a player that stands out um, or could shoot really well because I feel like Minnesota has a has a pretty bad culture of developing players. And, you know, everybody once said Andrew Wiggins might be the best player, one of the best uh, players of all time moving into the draft. But look how much he has regressed from that. From the, his rookie season to now, oh yeah. So if you choose Anthony Edwards, or if you choose, um, or if you choose someone like Obi Toppin, like Shree mentioned, it's gonna be another Kevin Love. It's gonna be another Zach Levine. So <laughs> you need some player that I feel like um, addresses most of the liabilities, and I do feel I do believe that the defense is definitely one of them. So if I were to focus on the draft. I would focus on a on a player that really um, could really solidify the defense um, in the paint as well as moving around the perimeter to help out Car Anthony Towns. So James Wiseman is definitely one of the top one of my top choices up there if Minnesota is going to keep their first pick. Now, if Minnesota decides to trade away their pick, which might sound crazy, they could probably get some lower tier players, maybe in the top five or top ten, like Onyeka from USC. He's a great defender. He has a lot of athleticism. And even at 6'9", he could still rotate around multiple positions. So if you could address the defense with one player like Onyeka, possibly, then you could probably open up your offense and really make make a lot of it run through D'Angelo Russell right now and Car Anthony Towns. Now, uh, one final thing I would like to uh, mention is I think LaMelo Ball might also be a good option for the first pick, even if it's a slight reach, because you want to look for a playmaker, and you already have great uh, players that could rotate around. Um, you know, last year they had Covington, uh, Malik Beasley, and a bunch of other players that could really uh, just um, thrive with playmaking. And I think LaMelo Ball, he, he might not be the best shooter, but... D'Angelo Russell, I've seen him play a lot. He comes off screens. Um, Carl Anthony Towns also, you know, he likes to he likes to bring the stretch uh, five to the game with his threes. So if LaMelo Ball is able to push the pace and also uh, if he's able, able to get guys open, I think he can work around the Timberwolves offense effectively if they draft him. My, my one concern with LaMelo Ball is when I see him, I see him as basically kind of like a young Marbury in terms of personality. Play style is completely different. I see a guy who might be thirsting to get into New York after a couple of seasons with Minnesota. And not only is Minnesota a small market, guys, and Christy mentions LaMelo in Minnesota. She likes that idea. But not only is Minnesota a small market, but LaMelo Ball is not going to be the main focal point in Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best big men in the game. And we saw what happened with Stephon Diggs. When you have a big personality of an athlete who's in a small market like Minnesota, they're just it's just going to be a double whammy. It's going to compound together for them to want to leave Minnesota. But guys, I want to go back to the number one pick discussion here. And, you know, Shri brought up a great point with Obi Toppin. And, you know, frankly, he's not really regarded as one of the top three or even maybe one of the top four possible selections in the draft. Shri, what do you think it is about Obi Toppin that make 
makes him get overlooked relative to the LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards of the world. So he was he was not as big of a prospect coming out of high school as those other guys were. Um, I think everybody knows about Lamelo Ball and his whole story. Um, you know, James Wiseman was was one of the top uh, players coming out of high school. You know, went to Memphis, and and these guys are all, as you know, in the NBA, everybody knows before they go to college that these guys are going to be number one. We saw that with Zion. You know, we're seeing that with Anthony Edwards. Um, we saw it with even players like Romeo Langford, who got picked um, last year. You know, everybody was saying before the season, this guy has potential to be a top pick, and and he went to college and struggled in Indiana, but yet he was still picked relatively high in the draft. So I feel like, you know, Obi Toppin wasn't one of these guys. He was actually a lower-ranked recruit. He went to a smaller school, Dayton. They don't play in the ACC. They don't play in the Big Ten. They don't play in the SEC. They play in the A-10, which is a smaller conference. Um, and, and I think that it, there is some validity to saying that maybe some of the teams that he went up against weren't as good. But, you know, their team was good enough to be from one of the sm small conferences and ranked number four in the country, you know, highly regarded. And, and most people had them as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which obviously never happened. Um, but just the fact that, you know, he was the marquee player on, on a team like that. And, you know, he was a player of the year candidate. Um, I think, I think that he should get the respect that he, but he's not getting that respect, you know? And I feel as though if he didn't have the season he has now, he would be a late first rounder, an early second rounder. That's probably what most people had him as, you know, coming into this season. He's actually a sophomore. He was actually a sophomore this season. So he's not a one and done like all the other guys. So I think a lot of factors contribute to him maybe not being as highly regarded, but most, most likely it's that, you know, everybody has their mind made up specifically in basketball that, you know, they have a list of guys who coming out of high school, they, they think that these guys and they, they kind of know that these guys are going to be top picks. Um, but Obi Toppin didn't fit into that. And, and he kind of had to claw his way up. And, and that makes me like the guy even more. Um, but, but in other people's minds, maybe he just doesn't have the physical skill set or the, or the gifts that all these other guys had um, coming out of high school. Um, and, and maybe they don't see that, Trans his play style and playmaking ability translate to the NBA. Yeah, and I think that brings up a great point. It's just that in sports like basketball and football and most North American sports, peaking early athletically is so, so important. Um, when it comes to college recruiting, you better have a good freshman and sophomore year. You better not be waiting until your upper years to really peak. We saw that with, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, not highly touted as college recruits. And then when you get to the professionals, right, um, you better peak by the time you're 17, 18 years old, because, you know, Kristaps Porzingis to a greater extent and Giannis Antetokounmpo, those are guys that, you know, not necessarily reach their physical peak by draft time or before then. And then scouts just kind of passed on them. Draymond Green and Isaiah Thomas is even more extreme examples. So I think there is something to be said about peaking early in sports and how important it is. These teams really, really value people who can just ball at 14, 15, 16 years old. 
Well, I think the in Tree's case, the best uh, comparison for him would be John Morant, I think. Because John Morant was not a high right. recruit in high school coming into college. And he also played for Murray State. So but he showed that he showed that he could play um, at a high level at Murray State. He could score really well. He's very athletic. He's also he was also really good at passing, which led him um, to led many uh, analysts to believe that he would be a, a lottery pick from that point on. So I think that's a good comparison for Obi Toppin. All right, Absolutely. guys. And I like Donovan Mitchell too. You know, Donovan Mitchell was coming out of Louisville, obviously not obviously a very good basketball school, but you know, I guess I think that he was kind of. Uh, ranked lower than a lot of the recruits that that we saw um, as lottery picks, just because of the fact that coming out of high school, he was not as highly highly regarded as some of these other players, and and we saw that you know they were wrong, right? Donovan Mitchell is one one of the best players in the league, so I, I just think that sometimes um, and and Porzingis is a good example. Um, so I just I just think that you know there there needs to be somewhat of a change. In, in the way that NBA looks at players um, and, and they need to, they need to be able to give these guys chances. And, and the more players that prove them wrong, the more the thinking shifts towards that. Absolutely. And I think we're going to start seeing this trend more and more um, as we kind of go down along with more technology, more data points to gather from these, you know, late peaking players like John Moran and Obi Toppin, um, for example. So our poll results are available guys. And, who should be the number one pick when it comes to this poll 75 60% of people pick LaMelo Ball and 20% pick Anthony Edwards 20% other Isaiah is offering the thumbs down totally disagree with the poll Anthony Edwards needs to be the number one pick because uh, he fits better with D'Angelo Russell than LaMelo Ball. And also, I need Anthony Edwards to be the number one pick so that my jersey doesn't go to waste. I was about to say, Isaiah, you realize you can't offer an objective opinion when you literally have a Warriors LaMelo Ball jersey. I'll put quotes around that with your stupid tape on. You realize that, right? You can't do that while holding that jersey. Bandwagon. But... I I'll leave us with this one last thought before we move on to our next segment. Tree and I, as just habitual Lakers haters, they've always been knocking my Timberwolves out of the playoffs, and they've always been going head-to-head with Shree Celtics since the beginning of time. We would love it if LaMelo Ball would go to the Warriors and just go there because all the teams and players you root for, they flame out. So we would definitely love to see Golden State go down, all right? So no, no love lost over there. But let's move on, guys, to the current games in the NBA. Playoff games happen today. Game threes. And the Devin, the Denver Nuggets fall 124-87 to to the Utah Jazz. You've heard that right, guys. The three-seeded Nuggets fall once again today. Second game they fall in and another blowout win, this time by 37 points, which has got to leave the question, guys. Can Nikola Jokic be the main star on a championship team? The answer Go ahead, no. Reed, The answer is no. All right, yeah. It's a pretty obvious no. Um, you know, like, I'll just start off by saying this. 
Uh, Jokic, like when I see him play, I don't see him being like the main uh, person, you know, running the off, like scoring on the offense. He's like the main person that runs the offense, stretch five, just tries to get open to shoot. But I don't see the uh, aggressiveness from him. I don't see his athleticism. And especially in the recent series against the Jazz, um, you know, I've paid attention to it. And it's it's clear that they don't seem to have a good rhythm on offense. And also, I think the other issue is defensively. They just keep leaving, leaving the Jazz wide open in the perimeter. Their main issue is rotating, and Jokic can, just, can't, just can't do that. If he wants to lead the Nuggets to the championship, he has to play well on both offense and defense. But, you know, he, he's, he's had his good games um, on the off- offensive side. But has he peaked in it? Not yet. And he, and he for sure hasn't peaked um, with his defensive rotations and awareness as well. Uh, I saw this biggest issue with the pick and roll today against the Jazz. They literally can't rotate. And Rudy Gobert just literally has to stand in front of the paint to score. <laughs> like, what can, What else can the Nuggets do if Jokic is the only defender for uh, Rudy and he doesn't rotate properly and he just lets uh, Gobert score, like, 24 points right off the bat? Like, I mean, there's – like, well, I'll leave it to this. The Nuggets, they still have hope. Like – the Nuggets are really good at developing their players, in my opinion. And during the regular season, they've had so much success. They've been a number two seed, and I think, you know, I think you know the Nuggets. They do have Jokic, but to trust him as a main guy, um, let's let's not forget who they drafted like a couple years ago in the with a 14th pick. They probably drafted, and they probably will have the next KD on their team. MPJ Michael Porter Jr. So, to get a bit off topic with this, I think Michael Porter Jr. is due for a breakout season next year, and I'm excited to see him continue to play at his level of success. In the bubble, he just went off with just crazy shots, contested threes, um, you know, crazy drives. Like he, it just seems like he can shoot from anywhere and can't miss. And no one's tall enough to contest a shot. And if I'm Denver right now. I'm going to run the I'm going to run Denver's offense, Nuggets offense through MPJ starting in the next season. There is no it's a no-brainer. And I think MPJ, I'm I think we should start talking about him, not Jokic. Because MPJ, I think it's a key player to, to the championship run. And if you can run your offense through him while still being surrounded by other players like Jokic, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, I think Nuggets will be even they'll get even better next year with a fully healthy Michael Porter Jr. And you know the thing I love about Michael Porter Jr. is that he has the KD fundamentals, but he doesn't play selfishly. He's been groomed and tamed as a mostly a role player for now. Um, and then now he's kind of breaking into his own finally. The Nuggets have developed him in much of the same way that the Celtics developed Jason Tatum. They didn't just feed the ball to Tatum from day one. Of course, that became his role in his rookie year after Kyrie went down and he had to compete with the Cavaliers. But he mostly had to play more of a role-playing role in the beginning, and they eased him into that star position. That's what I love about MPJ is that he's learned how to play team basketball, which I think Kevin Durant in OKC, through no fault of his own, had so much pressure put on him that he never learned that team ball with Russell Westbrook properly. But I want to turn to Shri. I mean, what do you think are some of the limitations for why Jokic can't be the main guy on a championship team? 
I think there's just one that sticks out to me. He slows their offense down. Um, in in the modern NBA, you need you need to have you need to have like a quick pace. You need to be able to get off shots. But but you see Jokic, he he can't run up and down the floor like some of these other players can. You see you see Anthony Davis, who's a great example of somebody that can do it. And you see Jokic, and Jokic is almost kind of like a stalwart of the old NBA in in today's game. Um, that's like the best way I could put it. Where where you know he's not he's not able to succeed in the current style of the NBA. He may have been good in the early 2000s, late 90s, but, you know, that's, that's just not the way the game is played right now. Um, and in terms of, like, Furman's point about MPJ, I 100% agree with him. Um, MPJ has shown that in the bubble that he can ball. Um, I think he has to work on his defense, uh, definitely, and um, potentially shot selection. Um, you know, he was taking contested threes and he was, you know, shooting really difficult shots. And, and I think that's part of any young player's repertoire where they, where once they get confident, once they get hot, they start taking these shots. But I definitely think that he needs to work on that a little bit more, um, you know, in the off season and, and coming into next year. But I see, you know, if Denver should take that next step and be a championship contender, I see MPJ and Jamal Murray driving that team um, rather than Jokic, uh, just because I don't think Jokic fits in well with today's NBA. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Tree. And just for reference, the Denver Nuggets were ranked the second worst team in terms of pace in the regular season 2019 to 2020 with 97.64 possessions per game. And then in the playoffs, they are tied for worst in the bubble, actually. 92.94 possessions per game. For reference, at the top here, we have the Bucks at 105 possessions per game. And so I'm going to point out another problem with Jokic. It's that, the, it's that his athleticism limits his defense. Um, not only does he slow the offense down, which is one thing that we discussed over our calls and everything, but his defense just simply cannot compete with the athletic freaks they're putting out there today in today's game. Rudy Gobert is an absolute monster of a big man. And then you have guys who can come off the bench like Jordan Clarkson who can hit threes like there's no tomorrow. And the thing is, when they get these screens, Jokic isn't coming off to help. When the guard gets screened, I am seeing consistently over and over again, Jokic is letting Jordan Clarkson, he's letting Donovan Mitchell pull up from three and not putting a hand up. I mean, the least you can do is run over, you know, complete the rotation, put your hand up. You know, he just can't keep up with the guards of today's NBA and in a screen-heavy, three-point shot-heavy league with lots of athleticism and pace. You just simply can't be like that. You can't play that kind of lazy style of offense and defense if you want to contend for the championship at least not as the main guy. I liken it to this guy. You know how donuts, they have a giant hole in the center? Jokic is the center of the Nuggets, and he's that hole that's being exploited again and again by the Jazz. The Jazz are playing extremely well off the ball, extremely well off the screens, and Jokic simply has no answer. I don't care if he puts up 29, 10, and 8. I don't care what kind of numbers he's putting up because on the defensive end, as soon as the team grabs the rebound and runs down the floor, it's all over. This guy can't play a lick of defense on them. And 
for an NBA star, I got to say, Jokic has the ugliest game out of all NBA stars. And I, I respect the heck out of the guy for working with what he has had, but I think he gets way too much credit as a franchise player for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets have a great system in place that allows him to um, really showcase his amazing European passing talents and some of his post moves. But if they want to get to the next level, this guy can't be your main guy. I'll turn it to Isaiah. I completely agree with all of you guys. Um, I think that Jokic's game is just outdated. I look at uh, his game like Andrew Bogut. You know, he's a he's got really good moves in the post. He's a really good passer, but he's only a guy that. Uh, can be effective like 25 minutes a game. Like uh, if he's in there for majority of the game, he's going to hurt your team. He's just too slow. He's too fat. Uh, he can't move uh, up and down the court like most of these uh, bigs now in today's NBA can. So I don't believe that he can be a main star on a championship team. I don't even think he can be a, a number two on a championship uh, team. I think he's more of a three. Um, and I just think like uh, the reason why the Nuggets won't win a championship is because uh, the guy's just he's just too slow for them. He slows them down. And um, yeah, I, I just think that you have to run the team through um, MPJ, who's going to be elite for years to come. Yeah, man. Last year when they got absolutely blown out every time they faced the Warriors. He had the excuse that the Warriors had KD. And then last year when they lost in seven to the Blazers, you had the excuse that Damian Lillard's one of the clutchest players in the NBA and the Blazers were hot. Well, what's your excuse this year, man? I mean, they're just getting run off the floor by the Utah Jazz. They had the fortune of avoiding the Houston Rockets and they can't take any advantage of it, man. Because I guarantee you, man, Harden and the Rockets would have freaking run this guy out of the hole. They would have run this guy out of the building for sure. Now we're going to turn our attention to another big man oriented team. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers who lost 102 to 94 to Shree Celtics. The Celtics take a 3-0 lead, which we will get into later in a very interesting discussion. But first, guys, is the process a failure? Yes, absolutely. The process is a huge failure simply because you tanked all those years to get all those high draft picks to try to land all these like young stars, which you did in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and the rest of the guys. And yet they can't stay healthy. And now uh, you're about to get swept. Brett Brown is going to get fired. And you don't, the only thing you have to show for it is going to the second round. That's a major disappointment with all that first round capital that the 76ers got. I expected them to at least make it to the Eastern conference Finals, but they haven't done that. So it's a huge, huge disappointment. And like they're going to get swept and I think they're going to have major, major changes in Philadelphia. I think Embiid might be gone. Um, Simmons, who knows if he's part of the team next year because he's always hurt. Brett Brown's definitely gone. So, yeah, it's a huge failure for Philadelphia. Absolutely. And Christy Wilson, thank you for tuning in. The Sixers are a mess right now, and she says there needs to be a fire sale in Philadelphia. Christy really chiming in on the comments these past couple of days and weeks, offering the fire. And, of course, our poll question is up. Is the process of failure 
You can view the poll on Facebook, vote on it. Be sure to comment down below as well. But now I got to turn over to Shri, whose Boston Celtics take a 3-0 lead against the Sixers. I don't picture this team coming back from 3-0. I mean, a sweep being avoided might be the best outcome here. Tree is the process of failure. Let me tell you, tonight was a nail in the coffin for the process. Uh, I'll put it that way. The Celtics had one of the worst possible games that I thought they could have had. We saw Jason Tatum out there, and he looked atrocious, right? Um, Jalen Brown played decently at the end, but you know, the whole game, he was kind of a non-factor. Kemba Walker stepped up big time and, and he was, he was able to play well. Um, you saw Embiid gave it all he could give. The Sixers gave it all they could give. They were, you know, it looked like they were going to win that game, but no matter what they tried to do there, they, they just couldn't, they just couldn't compete. Um, and, and I, I saw a tweet that I think it sums this up best, right? We saw the the Sixers lose, you know, six or seven years in a row, and trust the process in order to build a winning team that could win. And we saw the Celtics at the same time, you know, having that success, you know, with it, then with, you know, um, I guess with Kyrie, but it wasn't really cousin Kyrie. Yeah, with with Tatum and Brown, and 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 you know, there was no process in Boston. Yet today just shows that Boston, you know, outplayed and outmaneuvered the, the Sixers in every way. Um, Brett Brown, you know, for all the credit that he got in the past, I think that, you know, a lot of the criticism is starting to to ramp up right now. Um, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of people, you know, wanting to get rid of him. Um, you know, like you've mentioned. Uh, I could see Embiid being trade bait, or I could see Simmons being trade bait. Although I don't know what kind of value you're going to get for Simmons um, since he gets injured every year, and um, <laughs> you know, I I feel like he was almost better his uh, rookie or second season, whatever the first season he played, than he is now. Um, I feel like he's regressed his game. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at Philly and looking looking at you know all the talk about you know how the process is going to get them a championship. It's honestly very. Uh, it's honestly probably very disheartening to be a Sixers fan right now, and and one game away from being swept. And and I think I think tonight made clear that the process is over. Um, should they have been able to compete with the Celtics and take them to six games, then I think that you know people may have more. Um, people may have better things to say, and 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 maybe you know the the front office and, and the, the Sixers organization and Michael Rubin continues with the current um, manager and, and coach in place. But, you know, if, if they're going to lose to Celtics in five or if they're going to get swept by the Celtics, I just think that that's unacceptable from, from the standpoint of being the Philadelphia 76ers and, and trusting in this process all these years. And, yeah, so I, I think that tonight was a big game in, in NBA history, and and it kind of, kind of like I said, put the nail in the coffin of, of the process. I, I think I gotta agree with you, Shri. But you know, I I gotta pose the alternative here, and that is yes, the Philadelphia 76ers put so much pressure and so much effort and so much tanking into this process. But what was really the alternative for? a city like Philadelphia. I mean, they're not exactly too much better than Minnesota when it comes to attracting agents and 
top stars. So I think like this was kind of the only way that, to, to put it frankly, to have kind of a fire sale in Philadelphia. Yeah, they had guys like Andre Iguodala and Evan Turner there, but they didn't really have you know championship potential without tanking. I, I think it, Philadelphia is not exactly a desired destination, and quite frankly, they are still you know pro, they are still habitual playoff entries every year into the NBA playoffs. So I think it is a failure, but maybe it's not as big of a failure as people are making it out to be because of that. I mean, I, I, I think I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the 76ers were a good team, not a great team. Um, you know, they were, they had some great teams with AI and then they had a really good team there. Like you said, with Andrew Iguodala and Lou Williams and all, but I think, I think honestly, there's, you're placing a little bit too much emphasis on, on like the city itself or, or the market itself. Philadelphia is a huge market, you know. Let's not forget, you know, Phillies fans are diehard to the max, right? We've yeah. seen them. I mean, we've Isaiah, seen them talk right? about the. Yeah, we've seen them talk about the Eagles. Um, we, you know, I've heard a lot of smack talk about the Sixers. Um, you know, even even Penn State fans from Philly are. Uh, are you know pretty loud and rambunctious? So, so I don't think Philadelphia. Don't, I don't forget the Philly. <laughs> well, I only talk about teams that are relevant on this show. Um, Boom. <laughs> but I think that Philadelphia is a great sports city, and and I think that they expect more. Um, I wouldn't compare it to Minnesota. Um, and 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 for every team that you could say, yeah, you know, this team. Is, is maybe not an attractive market for free agents. Philadelphia was a very attractive market for free agents. Let's not forget they got like Tobias Harris. Um, they, they've they signed all these players. JJ, they got rid of JJ Redick last year. And and teams that, teams that, and Jimmy Butler, they had Jimmy Butler, right? Um, teams that are like in those markets are not necessarily bad teams. Look at Utah. Look at all the success that Utah's had, and Utah is a way worse, smaller market than than Philadelphia. Look at OKC. OKC has had such a sustained and long period of success, right? Yeah. And who wants to play in Oklahoma City? Hey, okay, Malzahn. So, so I think that I think honestly, I agree with you in certain aspects that Philly was never that team to beat. But in terms of in terms of it being, you know, maybe not a market that somebody plays in, I, I think that's kind of overstated. Um, I think that Philly is a great city to play in, and I think a lot of players would want to play in Philly just because of the fans and and how passionate they are about sports there. Yeah, and I think that's a great point there. And then you also look at the San Antonio Spurs, another team that succeeded in a smaller market. But with that being said, guys, we're actually going to have to wrap up prematurely here. Um, I got some family plans, um, got to eat some hot pot tonight. So, uh, we will get back into the discussion next week to finish off these topics. Furman, I feel sorry about cutting you off there, but, um, pleased to be joined by you. And guys, I want to announce that Furman is going to be an official permanent member of the MI6 sports network team in the quarantine chats team. Yeah. I'm excited to be back here, um, every week, uh, all these topics are amazing. You know, it's it's amazing talking about it with all of you guys. So I'm glad to be back here and um, can't wait for next week and then other weeks to go. And then just a quick yes or no, is the process a failure? Uh, for me? 
Yes. So yes, I think uh, this is definitely a failure. And I think, um, you know, I got to give Sharia a shout out here for the Celtics. They dodged two bullets, man. They got, <laughs> you know, they could have gotten, you know, Simmons and Fultz, but they got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum instead. So yeah, you guys are the real champs here in the draft process, as well as the process <laughs> itself. Yep, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in for the MI6 Sports Network. For Sri Anand, Furman Lee, Isaiah Leung, and me, um, we're going to be signing off. And last thing I'll say is I got a bet on the Boston Celtics, risk 30 to win 135 to win the Eastern Conference. So hoping the Celtics can pull through, Sri. All right. Pretenders, 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 absolute pretenders. Says the guy who picked the Sixers to win the series. Don't call them pretenders, man. We're going to wrap up the show right here, right now, man. I'm not hearing any more of this Isaiah nonsense. All right, guys. Happy Friday. Yeah.